a dating and makeover expert where I will help you build confidence, make connections, and find love from the outside in. Days have passed and the person you've been dating hasn't responded to your last message or reached out and you have this sinking feeling that something just isn't right. But you're confused because you thought you guys had a great time, a great connection. You laughed a lot. You're like, oh, this could be something. And then you analyze your last interaction and you might think of every type of scenario that might provide some reason they haven't called or reached out again. And in fact, you find yourself even telling yourself and others, you know, maybe you're talking to your friends that that there are some reasons to justify that behavior. And I think we've all been there. (laughs) Does this sound familiar? And I call it dating intermittent reinforcement. And what I mean by that, this is where a person will hook you in, right? And they'll give you just enough to keep you in it. But in the end, their inconsistency tells you that they aren't really available. When someone you may have feelings for disappears or pulls away unexpectedly, you might personalize it and assume it must have been something you did wrong, or it could be the opposite and rationalize it to make it okay. And of course, as I always say, you can't change those people, but you should explore your own role in repetitive dating patterns since sometimes you may unintentionally engage in dating behaviors that attract unavailable people into your life. And that is all you can control. So it's really taking a look at yourself. But what if you feel at a loss because none of your dating behaviors explain why you keep getting ghosted? Now, there's another possibility that is typically overlooked in these situations. If you consciously want a lasting relationship, but you keep getting a different result, you might be subconsciously drawn to unavailable partners. What does that mean? It's like you're almost protecting yourself from getting hurt by choosing people who are not available to you because then you can justify in the end, well, of course it didn't work. You know, that it's the brain's way. Obviously, the brain can take over many times of protecting you. So the first step in changing any of these dating patterns anything that I always talk about in the podcast, but in particular, this one is getting to the root from which the issue stems. And without knowing the reasons why you keep attracting unavailable partners, it will be difficult to attract the right one. So I just want to name three possible traces of where this all stemmed from, because again, it's having that understanding that's going to help you move forward. The first could be that the role models you had for a romantic relationship in childhood replicate your patterns now. So we are often attracted to people who seem familiar to us, good, bad, or indifferent, and it just they may have similar qualities of our caregivers. And that's one of the reasons why people are drawn to emotionally unavailable partners is because it's due to the role models they had for romantic relationships in childhood. So perhaps your parents were together, 
But there was some semblance that they were emotionally distant from one another. Perhaps one of them appeared to be much more invested in the relationship than the other. And that created an imbalance in the partnership. A second reason might be because one or more of your caregivers growing up was unavailable. If one parent, for instance, or maybe even both were absent from your life or emotionally not available to you, it's not uncommon to be drawn to the same type of people. It could be friends you're attracted to that kind of person. It could be the opposite sex and and repeatedly because it just feels familiar. So People often subconsciously try to heal what happened in the past by repeating the same dynamic they witness as kids and hold on to the hope that it'll work out this time around. It's almost like the brain is telling, okay, this time it'll be different. If if I pick something that seems familiar, I'm going to have a different outcome this time. And again, you're not conscious of it. It's just something that you gravitate towards. Now, the third thing is that you indeed might be unavailable. What do I mean? This is a tough realization sometimes to think about that you might be tempted to deny. It's like, no, I'm totally available. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm so open. But consider that another reason you might be drawn to emotionally unavailable partners is that there's some part of you that's guarded, that's not available, that is protecting yourself. And perhaps you consciously want commitment but deep down you fear the true intimacy. So there's almost this tug of war going on, right? Losing your sense of self in the relationship or getting hurt, that pain you're trying to ward off again so that you are guarded yourself so that you never really truly get emotionally connected with somebody. So Today on the line, I have a woman who keeps finding herself in relationships that are in some way, shape, or form unavailable, and she recognizes that she tends to give too much, and she is trying to learn how that dynamic might play out in her dating life and also attracting lopsided relationships. So I hope I can at least help her crack that code today, or at least part of it. Welcome, Dawn. Are you there? Yes, hi. Hi, Don. Oh, thanks for coming on. Absolutely. I'm really excited about this. I am too for you. And I, I, you know, when you and I just talked, just we just had one conversation. I'm like, oh my gosh, please come on the podcast. Because I think the things you're dealing with, so many people do. And I think not only do I hope to provide some sort of strategies for yourself, but also for others. But anyway, introduce yourself. Tell everybody like who you are and a little bit about your dating life, that kind of thing. Um, I'm Dawn and um, I've never had a real relationship. I am 45 years old and I have two children. Um, but I've never had anything to last or to be actually real. Um, Mm. I think the longest relationship that I had that was decent was probably anywhere from four to six months. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. And with that, I mean, as you've been going along this journey, have you detected reasons why that is or patterns of guys that you've been dating? Not until you and I spoke the other night, it actually clicked <laughs> that, that I know my worth, but I just can't 
feel it. I know I just can't emotionally feel it to believe it. Yes. Well, and that was, you know, something I remember, like, as we were talking, something that, like, it can be insidious, right? Like, you don't really know how that plays out necessarily, because you, you, you might feel confident in different areas. And Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe tell and share a little bit more about, like, you as a social being and how you meet people, because you definitely have the skills, Don. Like that was clear to me after you right, were right. Yeah, yeah. So tell me more about that. Yeah, I'm pretty much a social butterfly. I've been a waitress for mm-hmm. most of my life. Um, and so it's not hard for me to meet men at yes. all. It's not hard for me to get a man at all. Mm-hmm. It's keeping them is the hard part. And mm-hmm. having them want me just as much as I want them. Or having them want to spend the time with me that I would love to spend with them. Yeah. And so that that's where I'm at. Yeah. Well, and as I always say, we always like default to back to what we feel confident in and know. And you definitely, you know, have that down pat. Like, you know how to flirt and have fun and like capture the guy. But, you know, with that, sometimes creates a certain dynamic too, where you can treat a guy really well. Cause you know that you can mm-hmm. capture him, right? Like you're, right. you're skilled at that, but it also is a way of deflecting yourself by just paying and doting more on him than showing up for you. Right. So I want to talk a little bit about that. Cause I think that there's something there also that ties into like attracting the unavailable and why things don't progress. Like do you have a, a sense for yourself, like even as I was reading the intro of maybe where some of this is stemming from? Um, yeah, I did. It was like number two and number three. Um, number two, my parents divorced when I was little. My dad was really not involved in my life at all. Um, mm-hmm. I hadn't spoken to him in two years when he passed away. So, I mean, he was never really there. So he was always absent, as you would say, unavailable. Um, the third one you mentioned, I can't remember exactly what was that again? Oh, like you're not really available yourself. Like you protecting myself. Yeah. Disconnected. Cause you know, I know that I'm valuable. I know my worth. I know other people can see that, but I'm not seeing it. What, what they, I'm like disconnected from that feeling. And so that would make me unavailable. Yes. Yes. And well, okay. So with that, then like when you're meeting guys for the first time or, you know, guys that you're getting attracted to, do you share anything about yourself? Like do you share stories Do you, or do you mostly like show them a good time? You make them laugh. You, you know, you, you ask about them. Like, can you feel into that dynamic? Um, no, I mean, we, we pretty much, you know, it, we talk about each other, you know, it's not like just more so one or the other or whatever, but we do have fun and laugh, you know, and I mm-hmm. always, the life of a party. <laughs> ah. <laughs> <Good time. laughs> ah. Were you like that when you were little too? No, I was very shy when I was little. I let people walk over me all the time when I was younger, even into my teenage ah. years. It was in my mid-20s when I decided, okay, no more. I'm going to take up for myself. So nobody walked over me. But 
they do at times Mm -hmm. and, um, and I catch it and then it's like, okay, put the foot down. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like regulating that, right? Cause it's like at one time you were really quiet and now you went to the other side where you're like the life of the party, but it's like, who is the real Dawn, right? Like, and, and, and how can you get balance with that so that you show up more authentically and let people earn you more? Right. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Here's a strange question about dad. And I don't mean to get like really psychobabble-ish with you, but um, like when you remember your relationship with dad before he left at all, or, or did he leave when you were really young? I was like five. I don't remember any good times with my dad, except for when it snowed like three or four feet deep. And we went out and got on the road and went to the grocery store. (laughs) That is all I remember. And that was actually fun. That's the only memory that I have that was happy with my dad. Other than that, no. Mm. I I had no respect for him. there was, he was abusive to my mom and I witnessed that. So it was, it was some things there, um, that I just didn't like about him. Not all men are like that. And I don't blame other men just because the way my dad was, um, he just wasn't a good guy. Did you witness some of the abuse? Yes, I did. Uh, and then what would you do when that would happen? I would holler back at him and tell him to stop. Oh, you would. Oh, you oh, tried yeah. to protect. Uh-huh. Yes. And then what would he do? He wouldn't do anything to me, but he would mm-hmm. he wouldn't necessarily, you know, um have his hands on her, but he would still be, you know, yelling and then he would kind of lower it. I was just going to ask you that. Like was there like an intensity with, with his anger and the motion when he would do that? Like, was he an angry guy? Like you would see that kind of intensity. I I don't know why he would be angry, but yeah, Mm -hmm. I mean, that's when he'd be angry and then he'd just take it out on mom for whatever reason. She wouldn't have to do anything. Yeah. I was going to say, and then how did mom express herself? Like, Oh, she would cry. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, you could tell she was afraid. Um, but you know, she sought counseling for it, you know, and got help for herself and got out of the situation. Yeah. And then once he was gone, I never saw him do that to my mom again. Oh, that's good. Did she ever remarry? Was there like another male role model in your life or? No, it was just my older brothers. I had two older brothers, and they were pretty much my male role models. Mm, okay. Well, and, and I, you know, I thank you for sharing that. I just think, and just to make some connections for you, and then we'll kind of talk about moving forward with all of this. It's, you know, when you grow up in a home that there's a lot of yelling and screaming and scary things, I mean, that must have been really scary as a little girl. Yeah. And, you know, you learned to kind of like you did everything you could to try to get dad to stop and, and make the peace and not just not have those emotions and, and all that negativity be there. And 
you also develop something that I call hypervigilancy. I don't know if you know what that is, but basically what that means is that you become really observant to your environment. Uh And do you find that to be true about yourself? Like, do you like really are good at like reading the room and people and that kind of thing? That's the first thing I saw it out on the restaurant. I'll look around me first. Yes, exactly. And it's a beautiful skill, actually. And when you hone in on it to use it to your advantage, it can be amazingly powerful. The downfall of that is that you learn to really pay attention to other people and their emotions, and you do a lot of predicting and guessing rather than focusing on how you feel. It's more about how others feel. And it's just kind of a default button that happens because you learned early on. It's like, oh my God, is dad going to pop off? And you know, what's going to happen and and that kind of thing. And so the reason why this is really important is just to have an understanding of where it comes from is now learning to regulate that so Uh that not only are you observant to other people, but you're sharing more about yourself without having that fear factor. Because I think there's some fear that might be attached for you with all this emotion stuff. Afraid of somebody leaving me. Yeah. Yeah. There is a fear, maybe a fear of abandonment to a degree. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe. I don't know. My, my whole family's passed away as I mentioned the other night too, but, um, you know, so I, it's not necessarily them dying. It's just them not staying with me, you know, and, yes. and I mean, that's happened all my life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And his, a, right. A little while and then they're gone. <laughs> exactly. And it was kind of like what I was saying in the beginning, you're just familiar with that dynamic. So you might un, unintentionally pick people that have a, a certain personality or there's like this disconnection so that, you know, those are the kind of personalities or situations where it doesn't deepen or progress kind of thing. Because you're scared of it. It's, again, it's that tug of war you and I talked about. It's like yeah. what you want is, is what you fear as well. So you just stay at this kind of superficial level where, yeah, you're, you're social, you're having fun, you're flirty. And then when it, it's time to attract something that's deeper, like the fear factor might go up. Yeah. I can see that. Mm-hmm. So then the question becomes, well, how do we get rid of it? You know, it is like, exactly. Yeah. You're like, great, Kim. Now we figure that out. Now what do we do? What, what do we do about it? And obviously, yeah. I mean, and that's, that's, you know, obviously where the coaching comes in and, and can be, you know, super powerful in ways of just, you know, what happened over time and where it stemmed from is just a habit that you got into. Mm-hmm. It's a, your brain has the default button that keeps going back to the people that are familiar with you with that whole dynamic. So it's learning to have a different way and approach and perspective of dating. So mm-hmm. let's talk about like how you're meeting men first, because I think, you know, taking a look at your approach and who you're getting attracted to first would be the thing to dial in. So how are you meeting guys right now? Uh, right now, I'm not meeting any because I'm, I'm not in work. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I'm waiting for it to reopen, but um, normally it's, it's through work. Um, mm-hmm. I, I have a, a small social network 
you know, as far as, you know, my friends and stuff, a lot of them are older and then some of them are a little younger and nobody really knows any guys that are single. And, you know, so I just kind of, you know, meet them at work pretty much. Okay. This, okay. This is where we could really start putting some things into place. Um, and tell me more about, you've never, I, I can't remember you and I talked about the online thing. Tell me about the online thing for you. The online thing is, is just, most guys want to hook up or they are losers or they just, they, I'm just not attracted to them. I mean, yeah, I can look at their picture and say, oh, they might be a nice guy, but there's just something about them that you see. And I don't like it. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. I I don't know. It's, I, I can read people pretty good. Um, I can pretty much look at them and tell you kind of what they're going to be about. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. Most of the time I'm right. Okay. Okay. And when was the last time that you, you tried online and like, how long did you try it for? A whole week. I gave oh. it a week. <laughs> on. Okay. Let me get this straight. I gave it a week. <laughs> let me get this straight. So you're not doing anything at all. You say that you only meet people at work, which Mm -hmm. is, if you think about it, very transactional and fleeting. Mm -hmm. So guess, guess what kind of interactions you're attracting just at the mere fact of what you do, like in the environment that you're in. So I'm just going to have you think on that. And you also have come across with some not so good guys meeting guys that way, yet you're thinking that all the bad ones are online, yet you're already meeting bad guys. True. Very true. But the ones that I have seen that are local to me are just Uh like losers. I mean, you can just tell they are just, they're just, yeah. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Well, uh, so here... (laughs) It's hard to find quality men online. Let's put it to you that way. (laughs) Well, I think many people share that view and you listening, I'm sure you're like, she's right. She's right. Okay. But the truth is, is that there are people just like you saying the same thing who are also online, you know, right. And, and, and it's just finding each other because the reality is, is that good People are everywhere. They're in the coffee shop. They're online. They're at the grocery store. And yes, they are at the restaurant. But I think the first thing that I would suggest for you, just kind of the tangible, is putting together a social plan and expanding your dating portfolio, like your financial portfolio, to diversify so that you get more practice at meeting many different men. Because if you think about it from a mathematical standpoint, you've only pigeonholed one area in your life of meeting guys and and it's not working for you. Right. So just strategy wise, expanding your network so that you, you get in contact with many, many different guys, I think Mm -hmm. would be a good experiment for you. And so what does that look like? I mean, I kind of have this three-prong approach that I tell people, you know, one is, is that, you know, I don't know, do you have like maybe any girlfriends that you can go out with? Do you have some good wing gals? Maybe you don't, I'm not sure. Uh, Yes and no. I mean, I've got a few from school and, you know, and then ones that I work with, but most of them are married. Um, ah, okay. Yeah, so I'm kind of like the only 
single one around. <laughs> well, but see, that can affect you too. I mean, and, and I think that as you look at your social life, building out a structure so that you're not just meeting men, but also more single women in your life, you know, it can be very isolating. And as, and I always say, as nice as the married folk are, and they're lovely people, they just don't get it. You know, they're not yeah. in your energy field right now. Like you need somebody who can flirt and have fun with you and go, you know, just practice in different venues. Like instead of being in work mode and meeting guys like that, because think about also your role in that your role is the waitress meeting the guys. I would love for you to practice being Dawn. Right. Because you're still playing a role, which is not authentically you really. Like I'd love for you to take just Dawn out and, and have fun. And maybe it's just taking yourself out for a while and it doesn't have to be a bar. It could be, you know, an event, it can be the grocery store and you just have a period of time where you're socializing and practicing meeting different people. Uh I would also look at different events that are happening that um, create more of a single social circle. And it could be like around your interests, you know, like maybe put a list together of all your hobbies and interests. And there could be some meetup groups um, that Mm -hmm. are free that you can go to. There could be, and I I don't even care for necessarily single events because I think it adds a weird dynamic when like everyone there is single and everyone's looking around. Like it's just, it's a weird environment. It is. And it's always lopsided. And then there's this competitiveness that happens. I recommend just going to something around your interest because you're just meeting like-minded people without pressure. Right, right. Okay, so that would be another thing. And thirdly, yeah, I I would, like, if I were working with you, I would put you online. But to practice dating in a different way, not with the intention of getting a boyfriend, mm-hmm. but just to practice something different. Because whatever you're doing is not working, and I want to see what that is. And you only gave this online thing a shot of one week. (laughs) Like, I would try maybe a different app, um, something that is new. I would put new pictures up. Um, Do you have, like, nice pictures of yourself? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Like, I would get energized around it and, like, maybe even do, like, a photo shoot or have a girlfriend take some photos of you, get all dolled up. Mm -hmm. And get a really good profile because whenever I hear, oh, like I never see anyone good online and sometimes I'll take a look at somebody's profile. Again, what you put out is what you get back. Maybe your marketing is off too. I don't know what you had put up, but you know, I would just, I would spend some time just taking a look at that and and really seeing if you could get some traction there. Because- It's a different world. And what what the pandemic did do is it put everybody in the same playground because the people like you who didn't like online and who are extroverted now Uh came online with all the other people who liked it, who were maybe introverted, you know, so now everyone's playing in the same play field. So what does that mean? There's more inventory than ever before. Uh Right. Okay. So that's the first thing is I I think just taking a look at your environment and the kinds of people, and I would diversify your dating portfolio. So you have greater chances of meeting different kinds of guys. The second thing is, um, 
I'd really take a look at making a list of your self-worth. Okay. Like, what do you, Dawn, bring to the table? What are you good at? What are your personality strengths? What are your physical strengths? What do you offer in a relationship? Like, you, you said something that was really important. You said all these other people see things in me and I, I can kind of see it, but I don't feel it. Right. And so I think start with not what other people think of you, but what do you think of you? And, and, and just like, just brag on yourself. Okay. <clears throat> can you come up with a list of 10 things? Maybe. <laughs> <That's hard. laughs> right. Well, and what would be interesting for you is taking a look at that, the, the whole list and then seeing if there's a pattern, like maybe like nine out of 10 are kind of more the superficial things, you know, like, are you seeing your internal traits as well as being valuable? And so I think that'd be a great exercise for you. And I call it, you know, the brag list. And then eventually, you know, after you do that list every day, you wake up and you brag on yourself. You know, you look in the mirror, you add to that list. You say, you know what? I'm really good at this. I'm really good at that. Mm -hmm. Gosh, darn it. I'm worth it. You know, and, and Mm -hmm. all those things and say it out loud and say it proud and look in the mirror and really like start owning it. Cause you have to match also the words with your head and also your heart. And, and I think the more you get practice at saying those things out loud, it'll start like synthesizing with you. When I think about doing that, it's almost embarrassing. Does that make sense? So what's embarrassing about it? Yeah. Talk about that. Like telling myself, you know, looking at myself in the mirror, you know, and telling myself, you know, the good things about me or, you know, what I'm good at. I don't know. It gives me this kind of like a fear, embarrassing feeling to even just think about it, you know, kind of imagining doing it. Is it, is it because of just the weirdness of looking in the mirror or is it actually saying things about yourself? That's embarrassing. Probably looking in the mirror, but I think some of it. Well, no, I don't know. I don't know. I'm a little confused. (laughs) Mm -hmm. No, but that's important. Like, were you allowed to, did you have that sense of, you know, feeling good about yourself growing up and, and would you get praised for the things that you did good at? Oh yeah. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess maybe that would be, you know, deep down, maybe there was always thought maybe there was something wrong with me, even though I know there's Mm. not, but I think subconsciously that comes up without me realizing it until I think about it for a minute, you know, but because I I have in the past, you know, when, um, the first death in my family happened and I was just really overwhelmed by it. I was young and just overwhelmed. And I had this guy that I was attracted to, you know, tell me one time and I had lost a lot of weight, but Mm-hmm. Um, just from the depression and anxiety, but I had him tell me one time, how come all my friends were prettier than me? And that has stuck with me, even though, wow. mm. even though I know better, I know I was at a bad time. No, I probably didn't look my best. Um, yes, I had lost a little weight and was probably too thin, but you know, the next time he saw me, I was hot. 
<laughs> so yeah. I just said hey and left mm-hmm. it at that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and walked away. But but I think, you know, things like that are still embedded in my mind mm-hmm. and subconsciously it comes up until I think about it and then I start becoming aware of it. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that was so powerful what you just shared. That's that's really important. And because those gremlins that might be in your head about like, yeah, various messages you got throughout the years or, you know, even just things that happened with your dad, it, you know, it can cause you to not show up and really be seen. Right. You know, that that's really important. And it's not until you can look in the mirror and say, I am amazing. I am hot. I am sexy. I love myself. Like, you know, and, and again, I'm, I'm saying it more as like an esoteric kind of statement, but, you know, people have practiced saying that in the mirror and it's not until you truly believe it is in, when other people will truly see it. Right. And I think that's a big like piece for you. Very big. Very big. And I even think it shows up in your body language somehow, Mm -hmm. you know, and like that would be the third kind of tool or thing to think about is just practice going throughout your day and really connecting with people and just being in your body more because you're so used to like observing and looking at other people. I want you practicing just being, mm-hmm. you know, smile at people, have conversations, you know, like how relaxed are you in your body? I know like in some areas of the country, people are wearing masks. You can still smile with your eyes and say hello. And just like, even just the comfort within your whole being and in your body, I think would be really good for you because then from there, the idea would be is what you share with people in conversation. Like instead of being so focused on asking people about them, getting used to and practicing how do you share about yourself when you meet someone sharing a story sharing something funny you know something that that elates you or something that gets you excited but then saying those emotions as you're saying it it's like really people seeing you and feeling you right and i don't have a problem smiling at people and like and i can strike up a conversation with anybody you know i can be in a mm-hmm. grocery store and just strike up a conversation it's not hard to do that um, you know, and I do it at school, you know, it just, mm-hmm. and I make people laugh, you know, and, and, you know, we just talk and we have a good time, you know, even at school. <laughs> yeah, but, no, I, I get that of you, but I, I want you practicing more about just sharing more about you within those conversations. Gotcha. Okay. Instead of letting them do it, share, just practice. Okay. That's right. That's right. Okay. So what, you know, and, and again, I'm just giving an example. I'm not saying you do this or not doing, but instead of, you know, making, making light and, you know, everybody enters a conversation with something light and kind of fun. And, you know, maybe it's something about a fact of something, but like, how do you move conversations from something that's fun and flighty and topical to something that's a little more personal? 
and sharing something that happened to you. Mm-hmm. I, I think that bridge from going from facts and, and flighty to something that's more heartfelt and personal will help you just understand what it's like to build an emotional connection that's deeper. Mm-hmm. Because ultimately, that's what's going to help you progress and attract people who are deeper. Okay. Because you're attracting what you're kind of putting out there. Like you can be fun and da 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 da, like kind of stay up at the surface. It's like really like taking it to the next level and getting more personal with people. Now, this one guy that I've been interested in for quite a while, which mm-hmm. um, won't go into too much detail, but, um, you know, we've become friends or, or whatever, but, um, you know, and, and I have shared with him some personal experiences in my life. Um, he shared a few with me, um, but yet I'm still not the chosen one. <laughs> Mm, okay. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so then I think to myself, well, why? There is a little bit of age difference. I am older, mm-hmm. but um, I don't think it really bothers him of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it would other people. And I think that's what concerns him. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yet he chose someone else. Hmm. Hmm. Well, again, there's so many different variables, and with him, I don't know, like his story and and what your attraction is with him. I know you and I talked a little bit before, but it's like right now you should be at kind of the goal of just creating deeper connections with different people, and right. not just ones that maybe you have interest in, and then like time goes on and then you start sharing. I'm saying like, from the minute you say hello, like how can you get a little more personal and deeper in your conversations mm-hmm. and just see who, who you kind of bring into that energy field with that. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. I'm just trying to think of conversations that could be a little bit deeper. Um, yeah, Maybe and it it, it, it is hard. or something. Right, yeah, right. It hard. is hard. It is hard. So I'll I'll give you an example of maybe like let's say you're on a first date with somebody or you're just having a, like a a conversation and you know, he brings you a a glass of wine that's like your favorite wine, you know, okay. and and you say, oh, thank you. So what do you like? And then maybe you start like deflecting and asking him like, what's, what's your favorite, you know, wine? And you guys start talking about wine and, um, and then he starts sharing more about himself and away you go, right? Like maybe that's something that's kind of topical and fun and that kind of thing. But really actually when he asks, when he gives you that wine to say, Thank you. And oh my gosh, I love this wine. In fact, it reminds me of when I was young, I did da 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 da. And maybe you go into a story, but you're okay. attaching an emotion with a story mm-hmm. rather okay. than have it being so focused on and him telling more and just you saying thank you and being polite, but like offering more of yourself early on. Do you okay. see, do you hear the distinction I do. there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel it. Yeah. I feel that there. Yeah. Um, 
I'm like, ah, okay, yeah. <laughs> Next time, uh, yeah. I let them do it. <laughs> exactly. Okay, because yeah, bingo. love to talk about themselves, you know, and as long as you're listening, kind of mirroring them, you know, uh, whatever, and you're into the conversation, you know, they love that. They love the attention, but yet it's not all about them. It's about us too. So exactly, <laughs> we, have to, we have to share that in order to pull them in. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> you got yeah. it. No, yeah, that's I'm helping ex- myself and everybody else here. <laughs> oh, totally. No, absolutely. And it is hard to like understand. And, and that's why like when I, I go through my social engagement formula with people, I have them role play it. And it's not until you like actually say it out loud. You're like, wow, I didn't realize I do that so quickly. I like go, I move right to them and then I'll just keep firing questions to them because I know that makes them feel good. And so Mm -hmm. it's, it's an interplay of the two, but for you, because you're so good at it, it's your hook. Mm -hmm. Like you, that's, that's how you get people in. Mm -hmm. But then if you keep going with that hook, it's going to attract that lopsided type of situation. And eventually the lopsided relationship. Right. You got to practice showing up more for you in the very beginning and seeing who listens and seeing who cares about what you're offering. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. It's, it's very um, insidious, like I said before, but once you start doing it, you're like, oh, it's like the aha, like moments start firing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, you know, once I fix within myself what needs to be done, mm-hmm. I would like to see if I could pull this guy back in. Right. And, and, he, and here's see, the, right. see what happens. Exactly. <laughs> and here's the beauty of all of this that I'm saying is that no matter if you're practicing with other people or, you know, working on getting this guy and, and bringing him in, the journey that you'll go through you'll come to maybe a different conclusion after you start working on this. It's like, wait a second. Right. I'm seeing this guy way differently now that my eyes are open and I'm starting to see my worth. Like that's the uh-huh. beauty of like doing the deeper work and, and just pulling back and not worrying about getting the boyfriend now, but really practicing the skills in order to get there. Yeah. Okay. Oh my gosh, Don. Awesome. So, okay. So that's your homework is that you are going to, diversify your dating portfolio, start broadening and open up your mind and meeting people in different ways. Mm-hmm. You are going to do your self-worth list and see if there's a pattern and everyday brag on yourself. And then I want you practicing striking up conversations wherever you go, open up your body and also share more in the conversations. Okay. How do you feel? That feels great. That's a good start. Okay. Awesome. Just so you know, great is not a feeling. See, this is, this is what I'm talking about. Okay. It sounds great. <laughs> it sounds great. But I asked you, how do you feel? How do you I feel? Uh-huh. Um, I don't know. <laughs> That's not an answer. Um, it's, it's a good start. Yeah. I feel like it's gonna, it's gonna open my eyes to a few things. And then just, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of hard to put into words. Yeah, no, it is. And, and I mean, you might be feeling a lot of different things, but I just want you to observe your, your 
own answer and it's exactly what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. I don't think you're used to saying feeling words and how, and really yeah. like expressing that in relation to like how you respond, how you tell stories. Cause like, oh, it's great. It's a great place to start is a description, but it's not like I feel so relaxed. I feel excited. I feel hopeful. Like those are the feelings. Um, I feel nervous. Ah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Okay. That's and how you, I feel. <laughs> well, good. No, see, and I want you, like, that's great. Like you're just practicing out loud what I want you doing more. And do you know what you're nervous about? Talking about myself because I feel like mm-hmm. I'm being selfish. Yep. I'm always the one to give, give, give. And I think I give too much. Yeah, I bet I've always been a single mom with two kids and, you know, one's grown, one's almost grown. And, you know, it's kind of like, well, who do I take care of now? Uh, it's, it's time to take care of me, but how? I'm so used to taking care of everybody else. Yeah. And I've see- done that all of my life. I've taken care of my brother. I've taken care of my kids, took care of my mom. I mean, and I never really took care of myself. I was just a strong, independent woman that was there for everybody else, but not for herself. Now, granted, I do go get my hair done. I get my nails done. <laughs> I get my toes done. I will go fake and bake in the tanning bed. I am not not embarrassed about that at all because um, a good color tan looks good on me. Um, but, you know, I, I do take care of myself that way. But as far mm-hmm. as emotionally, mm-hmm. I don't. I think of everybody else before myself. It's time. Exactly. And, and with that, you will start attracting people who then care about you. Well, that's a plus that makes me feel better. (laughs) A hundred percent. Cause again, what you put out is what you get back. And Mm -hmm. the more you, you allow guys to feel you and see you is when you'll allow that in. Okay. That was so, I love that you like, you got to that just now. Like, that's amazing. Like it is, it's so time for you. And the fact that you're nervous because all the things that I just, I'm having you do have to do with you focusing on you and you're just not used to that. And not at all. The fact that it's uncomfortable means it's definitely something you need to do because that's, that's when you're going to shift. Got it. Now I gotta have you help me with that. <laughs> yeah. So we're gonna talk afterwards how I can help you. Yes. <laughs> oh, Don, you're awesome. Thank you so, so much. And I'm excited to for you to make these baby steps towards the bigger win. Yeah, I'm excited too. I just hope I can do it. I guess I fear that I can't do it. And that's um, the other piece to it, right? Yeah. Well, the only way that you will know is to take just like these little small steps, you know, and, and cause the other thinking of it as a big picture is really overwhelming, but if uh-huh. you can just focus on those little tangibles and the homework, 
then it, it's a step in the right direction and it'll validate you and, and, and gain your confidence with it all. Because that's the thing also. And here's the last thing that I will say is that you have put your self-worth around giving. Mm-hmm. So it's discovering your worth beyond you being a giver and what you do for other people. That makes perfect sense too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Dawn, thank you so, so much. And to be continued. And thank you for joining me today. You listening, this has been the Charisma Quotient. I'm your host, of course, Kimmy Seltzer. And remember, you can build confidence, make connections, and find love from the outside in. And if you want to know more, make sure you go to my site, kimmyseltzer.com. And here's something for you. If you are over 40 and you're having a hard time navigating this whole dating scene and attracting unavailable partners yourself, I have an exciting opportunity for you to start out with. Back by popular demand, I am doing another Flirt Masterclass. It's going to take place October 11th, and this time I'm focusing on how to do it in your 40s, 50s, and 60s. It's a workshop for both men and women, so y'all are going to be in the same room together to learn about the fundamentals of flirting later in life and how to get your sexy on, create attraction, and land dates no matter what age you are at. So just click the link in the show notes to register now as seats are limited. And remember, working on you is working on your dating life. That's all for now.